Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Second time it's gone off. Never go home, they never go home, they never go home, those, those, those boys. The second captain's world service. That's. Yeah. They have asked for that, really. Well, you can laugh. I have to walk up. I'm a little bit of an idealist, but having said that, I want to be like me. What are you doing down here, you shawnee man? There's been a somewhat unfortunate trend in the early stages of this season's Premier League to compare every other forward unfavourably with Erling Haaland and Liverpool's Darwin Nunes in particular has been a victim of these comparisons. So we should really start today's Second Captain's Football Podcast by celebrating the eye-catching performance of the Liverpool frontman off the bench in yesterday's 1-0 win against Man City. He may not have scored any goals. He may have butchered a three-on-one. He may even have chipped his shot sideways at one stage. But he did manage to steal the show over the last 20 minutes while up at the other end. What was Haaland doing? The square root of fuck all, Ken. How are you? <laughs> very, very well, Owen. Welcome very to well. the show, everybody. Nunes, Nunes, Nunes. So very watchable. I'll, I'll give him that. My God. I really did enjoy it. All, so much went on yesterday, and yet just, just Nunes alone was worth the admission fee. He's showing us things we've never seen before. <laughs> you know, who has ever seen a, a chip like that? You know, it's uh, at least certainly not at, at that level. Well, at least with the chip, no, the chip probably wasn't the right option. I was going to say, at least shooting in that case was the right option. Just have a go. Just, yeah. just you know, Fergie. Oh, just hit it as hard as you can, son. Oh yeah, you know. I just love the ones where he had people overlapping, some you know, some extremely uh, capable players ready to tap goals in. And no, no, I'll just take the wrong option there. But it's day. so obvious what he just needed to do. Like, I mean, he had two play. He, it was it was so clear what you need to do. It's and and it just beats me how anyone could not. But it's like he had the blinkers on. That this is the phone. This is the three on one we're talking about. Yeah, because yeah. there was a, there was a later one where he just had to knock it back to who was it? Carvalho. 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 Literally just just square back and to go. But he played a pass across to Trent Alexander Arnold. But yeah, the big one was probably that that three on one where he just head down, boom, run straight towards goal. But even if you're going to run, like run with a bit of run with a bit of conviction. If you're if you've decided that you are going to take the you're, you're, it's a three on one but you're going to play it as a one on one you against the defender then at least attack the defender as though you mean to beat him as opposed to sort of 
you know, he, 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 it was like there was, oh no, it, it was like, I have options here. And that jammed his brain, you know, like the mechanism of his brain just jammed. But like the, it, it's so simple. He had, I think it was a Jada and Salah. Salah's the obvious pass. Salah is completely free. All he needs to do is pass him the ball. Salah's going to have a shot, another one-on-one against Ederson, and it's probably going to be a goal. And it's a simple pass. There's one problem. There's one defender there, and maybe he's going to block the ball. But you've got Jota. And this is why it, this is such an easy situation. Because all Darwin Nunez needs to do is stop running. The defender will have to keep running. The defender will keep running because he's running anyway. Jota will run, and the defender kind of has to think about him as well. And this is going to create the space that you need to pass the easy sideways ball to Salah, who can now apply the finishing killing touch to the game and turn 1-0 into 2-0 in the 92nd minute or whatever it was at that stage. And and it was just like how he failed to see that that was what he had to do is worrying on. (laughs) 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 I'm not going to lie. But as you say, you know, at the other end of the pitch, there wasn't a whole lot happening there. Well, he can't do it against the big teams, can he? Well, it turns out no. You know, he's he's now two nil down to Darwin Nunez in in, in 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 their confrontations this season. But except Darwin Nunez and, and one goal. Score. Oh yeah, he you're did talking score. About, you're talking about no yesterday. Oh, he did score yesterday. Yeah, I mean, yeah. He only played what, twenty minutes. Yeah. Uh, he scored in the Community Shield. So again, as a substitute. So you know, it's uh, Holland one hundred eighty minutes, no goals. Nunez 40, 45 minutes, fifty minutes, one goal. And so many moments <laughs> that will echo with each other. The good news being you don't have to wait too long to see Darwin Nunes back in action. There's a full round of fixtures during the week, including Liverpool against West Ham on Wednesday night. We'll bring you all the best coverage during the week on the World Service. And Roddy Collins and Paul Howard are making their way into Second Captain Studios this evening to record a chat about their brilliant new book, The Rodfather, in front of a select group of World Service members. It's going to be great. I bought 22 Chuck Oysters. Oh, that's actually, that's bang on, because it's, it's around about that number of members who are going to be... I think you're already smiling at Roddy Collins' hotkeys, Ken. There's going to be a lot of Roddy tonight. <laughs> and some, some Paul Howard as well. To a very happy Liverpool fan, Paul Howard, I'm sure. Might, uh, might want to crow so. about that. Liverpool Football Club, I think Paul Howard would say. He would he probably. Right he, would he would say. He would just Liverpool say that. Football Club. Yeah. Uh, to become a member yourself for only five euro a month plus VAT, just get on secondcaptains.com. That only takes a couple of minutes. Jonathan Wilson, I should say, in studio today. Jonathan is in town for a bit of book promotion and he's going to make his way into our studios after, Ken, your report on sport. Yeah, so it really was a, a very, very enjoyable game to watch yesterday. Um, partly, I have to give the referee credit. <laughs> you know, it's like, w- would greyhound racing be more entertaining? And I know people think it's a barbaric sport anyway. Uh, yeah, some people think it's a barbaric sport. But say if they, you remember um, Chief Chief Wiggum? Mm. Yeah, we've been starving them, beating them, singing off key. Uh, if if you just did that to the dogs before every race. Um, would that improve the spectacle? I mean, that, the game was a little bit like that. I felt like it, if the, what, the referee just took the maximally annoying approach to the game, just by like overlooking blatant fouls, and then like you know when the when the VAR thing happened, coming back to do this, and like absolutely causing Guardiola to lose his mind and Klopp, and and Klopp of, of course as well. Uh, but I think the Guardiola moment was it was really the key moment of the game. That the game was different after that moment. 
this was Guardi this was Guardiola's uh, specifically him turning around to rant and rave at the crowd and wave uh, and and you know oh as though he's trying to g up the, I, the crowd. At that moment was just you just knew that was not going to end well for Pep. It just seemed like what are you doing? This is the opposite of what you're meant to do. You know this is a, this is not what you want. You know you do not want to turn this into. A uh, pantomime, basically. No, that's not it. Like that's not it. They've got more fans than you in this in this building. <laughs> a lot more. This is Anfield, in your own words, Pep. This is that you want your team to be to to be cool, to be composed, to use their superior, you know, passing, their superior organization, the quality that they have to win this game. You do not want to turn it into a slugfest end to end, and you do not want to rile up the crowd. It just was. A crazy thing for him to do. And how can a guy like that, how can a guy like that complain when his players lose the head? His players who are actually running around, you know, at, 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 at like 90 miles an hour, uh, sweating in blood, like pounding in their in their heads. How are they supposed to keep their composure when they look over and, and Guardiola is like, is doing some kind of, like, I mean, what what is he doing to the, to the crowd? It just was, it was mad. It was re- it was really it was really mad, and I feel like now it is the kind of stuff that Diego Simeone does it, and it's like oh look at Simeone communing with the crowd and all this. Yeah, kind of does stuff. Diego Simeone does Diego Simeone do that to, to maybe not with opposing fans? Yeah, he, does, he gets tries to get his own supporters riled up and and stoked up. Of course he does that, but it's just what Guardiola's thing. I've, I I can't remember seeing it. Who 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 does that? Like what? What was he thinking? Could you imagine like Jose Mourinho doing that? sliding down the touchline, all that kind of stuff? Jose, Jose Mourinho Jose antagonizes Mourinho, opposing Jose, crowds. When Jose Mourinho was sliding down the touchline or running down the touchline at Old Trafford or busting his pants that time after they, they Real Madrid beat Man City by by his knee slide or running onto the pitch at, at the New Camp, what do all these they were things winning have in <laughs> He's celebrating a moment of victory. He's rubbing the nose of the stadium in it. There's nothing they can do at that point. You know, or, or running down, running down the, uh, at Anfield to celebrate in front of the Chelsea fans. Remember when they when they denied them the the league in 2014? He picks his moments. <laughs> he doesn't do it when it's nil nil, and he and they are all la- they're all laughing at him because he's the one who's losing his cool. And and he hasn't got anything on them. I mean, he's actually just had a setback in terms of the goal has just been disallowed. And so he's angry, losing his composure, and then turning to sort of say, oh, come on, I'll take all you to the crowd. And everyone is A, laughing, but B, is redoubling the intensity of their efforts to kind of ah, scream. You know, it was it was madness. Do you think, you think that... That moment, more than anything that Liverpool did, how well Salah played, how well set up they were tactically, that moment is what actually won Liverpool the no, game? No, I mean, there was so much more going into it, but I feel that was really a key moment in deciding where where that game went and how it ended and the sort of the tenor of the of, of everything after that game, see, after that moment seemed to me to be different. Liverpool, for Liverpool, things were starting to come together at that point because they had started pretty well. Like, you know, the the... There was a run from Salah very early in the game, which immediately suggested, I'm going to be in this game today. And this is not going to be one of those games that I've had this season where it's like, where is he? Has, has Mo Salah strapped his wages to his body? Or is he wearing them? Is he wearing them under that, that, uh, that shirt? Like, what's going on here? It wasn't going to be like that. He looked, you know, strong, direct. He's like, I'm going to go at these defenders. I think I can beat them. Um, and, and mainly what was happening at the back was Milner... Uh, playing really, really well against uh, 
Foden, and this was the decision that Guardiola had made, Guardiola said, I'm going to use Foden there because I saw him murder James Miller, who's somehow still alive. But Phil Foden murdered James Miller in full view of 55,000 people at the stadium last season. And I, I want to see him do it again. And so he put, he put Foden there. He, that meant he, take, he took Grealish out because that's Grealish's position when he plays. He, and it also meant that Foden and De Bruyne weren't there on the right, which has been this brilliant combination that City have had all season, uh, or, or in most of their games this season. Uh, Foden to De Bruyne. Foden's brilliant. The, one of his many exceptional abilities is, is to hold the ball under pressure and release it with great timing. And that creates these little spaces for De Bruyne to hammer in these crosses, which Haaland then <laughs> just does whatever. Just blasts into the net using whatever. It leaps into the air, flips over, does a somersault, volleys it in, whatever. Mm-hmm. We've, seen, we've seen a lot of it. And he... he decided to go with the more direct let's just have Foden murder Milner again um, and I do wonder if that worked for City and Kinsella was then on the other side as well uh, and it seemed like quite a lot of changes had gone into the team which maybe looking back did he need to do it but obviously he wants to sort of surprise he always wants to surprise the opponents a little bit um, Credit to James Milner for recovering from that horror show last season putting in a performance well, Milner is now nearly a year older than Gary Neville was when he had his career-ending nightmare against West Brom, which was on New Year's Day 2011. And Gary Neville uh, came off the pitch after being run ragged by West Brom and realised that he couldn't do it anymore. He was done as a, as a Premier League footballer. And Gary Neville that day was playing against Chris Brunt and Jerome Thomas and Peter Unwingy. He wasn't playing against Phil Foden. Phil, Phil Foden. Phil Foden and Erling Haaland. So I was expecting this to be a real mess for Miller. I'm sure I wasn't the only one. Klopp even referred to it after the game. You know, I'm sure everyone saw that matchup and thought, um, he played brilliantly. So how many more times he's going to be able to do that? Who knows? But at least he'll always have that. Gomez as well. I mean, Gomez, this is just like a few weeks ago, gave one of the worst defensive performances you ever see against Napoli. He's playing against... Um, He's playing this game against City and just absolutely incredible. Uh, so, you know, they were already sort of switched on. Um, obviously, I I I checked uh, Diego Torres, uh, and he suggests he, he said they they defended the spaces as though contracts were being decided in each individual duel, which in fact they were, uh, because if you look at the table, they're so far off the Champions League now that uh, things are looking a bit dicey in terms of the club's long-term economy. You know, I mean, long-term, one season out of the Champions League, but it would be a massive uh, blow to their, you know, high-wage, low-transfer low, low spend, but very high-wage bill. Uh, thing. You know, if you suddenly lose like 100, 100 million or 120 million or whatever you're, you're getting in the Champions League these days, that's a, that's a big problem for them. Um, so as though they were playing for that, uh, the, you know, so... But you know, I, I, I keep I keep just coming back to Pep being the being the grit and the oyster. Like you know, why give them that? Why, you know? Well, he lost his head. It's not like he made a conscious decision to whip up. I'm going to whip up the crowd now. This will be a good idea. He just lost it. Yeah, you'd have to ask how many trophies would would these guys have won if it wasn't for Pep? <sighs> you know how many how many trophies would a, would a manager who can keep his composure have actually won? Mm. Would he have won the, all those league titles? Probably not. 
I think probably it's fairly relentless because given how good Liverpool were in that period, yeah. I think Liverpool might have a couple of couple of other Premier League titles to their See, name. This is this is the thing, you know. City are always going to be one of the strongest teams in the Premier League, and this is this goes back to the stuff that Klopp was saying before the game, which obviously was was on Friday and and caused a big storm over the weekend. And you know, we'll talk about that a little bit with with Jonathan in terms of how that how that fed into the occasion because I believe that it did. Um, whether it was part of some, you know. I'm going to do this and that's going to cause them to lose their heads in a way that will suit us or whether he was just moaning, you know, like Klopp, Klopp sort of under, under the kind of pressure he seldom has been team playing badly season kind of has gone off the rails and now he's kind of complaining about stuff that previously he, he previously he would have been spending that time talking about how great uh, Mo Salah was playing, but have you seen how well Sadio Mane is playing as well? Yeah. Whereas now he doesn't have that, and now it's like, well, you know, have you seen these guys? They're kind of, you know, it's a bit unfair uh, what they're doing. So that, yeah, that was what Klopp was saying, and for that for that reason, I mean, I think I, I happen to think Klopp was was basically right, and I, I think most people, you know, who, people who aren't Man City fans will generally think that as well, you know. Um, you know, they they've they have Holland in the team. He's he's incredible. He's getting a million euros a week. You know, there wasn't anyone else in that auction. Like the only other team that could have been in the auction. I mean, Real Madrid tried to get him, and they were like, "Well, we can't do that. We we actually we we can't afford that because we're you know we're only Real Madrid. We're not like uh, we're not the United Arab Emirates or, or Qatar. The only other team that could have done it is is um, is PSG. Well, Newcastle maybe, but he's not going to go to Newcastle at this point, right? Um, Holland isn't. I mean. And PSG, the only reason they don't really go for him is because, is why? Is because they've already got Messi, Mbappe and Neymar. I mean, how crazy it is that, the, really, how, how have we got used to this idea that those three guys are all, three of the best players, like two one in a billion players and a, and a one in 10 billion player are all there playing for PSG. It's so, aside from the bigger questions, it's just so underwhelming. Oh. It just, you don't, like, who's watching, who's, it's a waste. who's watching those matches, really? Occasionally in the Champions League, usually there's a better match on in a mm. group stage than one involving PSG. So you're waiting basically for a knockout stage. You're waiting of, for PSG to play Man City or Real Madrid. Yeah. You know, you're waiting, you're waiting for PSG to play another club that you're... you're watch sort of, all these... It's just, a, it's a waste players. of their time and a waste of our time. But you know, they're just out there sucking down petrol. We've just got used to that. <laughs> That's what's happening. We've, we've just got used to it. And and City are in that group of club, clubs. I mean, at least City are playing in, you know, a, a competition, which is, um, you know, I, I watch Man City most weeks. But just on the club comments, they were interesting because he, he was asked a question about being able to compete with City. And mm. he effectively said, look, you know what the answer is to this question. Yeah. I'll give it to you. You won't like it. They won't like it at City. Yeah. Here it is. And then he kind of gives the answer. He goes, you know, you wanted it. You asked for it. You know, you, yeah, you don't yeah, have to yeah. ask me. So it's, it's like he was nerdy uh, putting the jur- the journalist up on it while also giving <laughs> giving yeah, yeah, chapter yeah. and verse yeah. uh, as to what he thought the journalist wanted in the first place. Now, so, th- this this really pisses off Man City because they don't like people people pointing out the obvious truth, and it certainly annoys Guardiola because it diminishes his achievement. Yeah. I mean, when I say would they, how many trophies would they have won? With, you know, with a manager who, if, if it hadn't been for Pep, uh, I mean, in reality. I don't. I think that Guardiola has obviously got like an incredible level out of the team. Like they're always going to have a good team because of because of the um, financial power behind the club. They're you know they're always going to have good players, but you know you didn't see Roberto Mancini or uh, Manuel Pellegrini getting a hundred points. You know what I mean? Like so. So the sort of 
dominance, um, the kind of win rate that Guardiola has had, I'm, I don't, I don't believe necessarily that another manager, maybe, maybe there, are, maybe Klopp might have been. I mean, Klopp's almost been able to match that with Liverpool, but you know, I, I do. So it is an exceptional achievement. But you know, there are these. This was another of the type of defeat that we've seen, uh, we've seen before. So uh, he also seemed to blame Kevin De Bruyne actually for the for the goal. Did you see that? Pep did afterwards. Yeah, I was surprised by that actually to single them out. I, I mean, I suppose it may be a case of. Well, hang on. It was uh, sorry because he was asked by Jeff Shreves. He mentions the mistake. Mm. We made a mistake, and Jeff Shreves goes, oh, "What was the mistake?" Mm. And it's sort of a meme now where Pep's looking at him like, "Huh? What? Like, what do you mean? What was the mistake? It's so obvious." But I thought it was a fair question. Was, are you blaming? I, I presumed it was Cancelo. But yeah. are you saying that he's actually? I thought he said. I thought he didn't. Didn't that saying Kevin doesn't follow the runner? Oh, okay, so right. so it, it came from the situation where uh, City got the free kick. Thiago, if I was going against Thiago for uh, De Bruyne, um, De Bruyne took the free kick. It's a terrible free kick. But if you if you see the 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 wide camera shot of this is an, is a, is one of the is an incredible piece of football theater. You can see De Bruyne watching like as though he's standing admiring his pass, but it's 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 a bad it's pass. pass. Yeah, it's really it's really bad. Like he's it, you know he kind of floats it high. It's a really easy catch for Allison. Allison has time almost while he's going for the ball to to see what's happening ahead of him. You know, and he's able to then very quickly play this pass. But as De Bruyne, as after De Bruyne takes the free kick, he sort of stands watching it. And it's at that moment, as uh, Salah can see, it's, okay, that's not a dangerous ball. Alisson's kind of get it. Okay, I'm going to move. And he's already moving. And if De Bruyne had been aware of that, he could have been a lot closer to Salah. He was, he ended up being like the close, one of the chasing players. Um, but the ball can I thought, he, he thinks Cancelo's going to clear it. Um and I thought it was a mistake by him. I think Klopp said, no, it's not a mistake. It's just a brilliant play by Salah. And in fairness, it was great control. Brilliant. But to, to, to hold a guy off and spin like that and yeah. keep the ball under control, put it exactly where you needed to go. But there was actually a great shot of, you can see the shot of, it's one of the replays, De Bruyne running back, chasing in vain, obviously too late at this stage. Mm. And I'm pretty sure at one stage he just goes, fuck. Because he sees that Salah is setting himself and ready to shoot. And he's probably thinking... Now, Kevin, Kevin De Bruyne has got a smart football brain. He's probably thinking, look, Ederson saved it last time. Salah's not going to make the same mistake two times in a row. And yeah, did. yeah. I mean, it would have been pretty amazing. It was a dramatic moment if he, if he managed to miss that oh. one again. Yeah, once you're through twice like that, you got to score at least once. But you, the, the other incredible thing about that wide shot, and this is like almost from, from almost un, just under the roof at Anfield, so you can see the whole thing, um, is that as the ball... Uh, uh, is booted out by Alisson. You see, you see it go over, and you see it's coming to Cancelo, and you see Pep in a second area watching it, and the ball then goes through Cancelo, and Salah is through, and Pep just crumples to the ground with his head in his hands, <laughs> just like just crumples. He's not even watching the the thing. He's he's like, oh no, that's yeah. it. Uh, and it's he's done this so many times, Guardiola. It's just it's just, just a it's a trademark thing that he does. When so, oh no, he did it against Newcastle. Remember when Saint Maximin got in. Uh, and was sort of running out his defense, and, and and you can just see Pep in the background having fallen to his knees and clutching his head, not even watching the game. Oh, we're, it's a, it's over. But um, anyway, yeah. So that was that. We will talk to Jonathan obviously about that. I have to say on the, the TV schedule yesterday, and you you know your your outfit was was um, blameless in this was a was a scheduling catastrophe of Tyrone Ming's defensive header proportions. Uh, I mean, I presume you watched obviously Wolves Forest. The big one on Saturday. The Saturday 3 p.m. kickoffs weren't exactly 
plum ties this weekend. It was uh, a there, there was a lot of big games on the Sunday. There were, yeah, way, yeah, more so than usual. Sky for some reason decided Villa Chelsea was the pick of the bunch. I didn't agree. <laughs> uh, I thought either Arsenal Leeds or or Leeds Arsenal rather or, and Manchester United Newcastle would have been more interesting. Although I suppose uh, Villa Chelsea turned out to be a, a comparative goal fest compared to the other two. Um, uh, with after Mings is I've never honestly I've I've the only person I can remember seeing had a ball like that was probably Darwin Nunez in that preseason video. Yeah, so explain it for people who didn't see it. The ball the ball swung in fairly harmlessly, and he seems to lose his bearings or mistime his jump or something. But he just sort of randomly heads it. It was so strange. Like the ball, the ball. He's got so long, first of all, to deal with the ball because it's it's coming like falling out of the sky. But it's it should be so easy, and he just kind of went and sort of headed it with the side of his head somehow, and it just fell to Mount, who's right next to him. And Mount just whips it in, and Mount then scored a very strange goal. Did did it, did that shot get deflected or what happened? It was, a, it was such a weird trajectory Mount. of the ball. It's free kick. Yeah, I, I, I didn't I, think so. I, I couldn't really. I, I thought it had because of the way that it went in. And then I couldn't see the deflection on it, and maybe it was just, I don't know, it was it was a strange strike. But anyway, it was a good goal for Chelsea, obviously. And Stephen Jarrett before the game, I'm like, you know, Chelsea, they should, you know, they should come here, they should be challenged for it. They should come to here and wipe the floor with us. And they did. So. Oh, the Stephen Jarrett interviews are just hilarious at the moment. They're all the same thing. Yeah, I've got no problem with the pressure. I've got yeah, no problem. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm fully, He keeps saying, I'm fully aware of the outside noise. And I even noticed John McGinn said it. John McGinn said that, oh, the manager is fully aware of the outside noise. It's like, stop fucking talking about yeah. the outside noise. Oh, you're, pr- you're talking about it, you're, you're making more noise. Yeah. And you're pl- it's obviously seeping through to your players. Yeah. It just feels so like the end of the road to be honest for oh he's, yeah, for he's I, I would agree on it they're 16th I mean they're a point above relegation um, you know although his at least his prediction was accurate so maybe uh, punditry you know just he, he, he's able to read the game very well <laughs> if not necessarily change the course of things um, Arsenal obviously won again got a bit I hesitate to use the L word but uh, fortunate maybe <laughs> um, with with some of the some of the things that happened there, obviously Bamford, who who uh, looked he looked like a character from Withnail and I. I thought when he was when he, when he was referring to his penalty, his hair was just he was a bit more bedraggled than usual. He was just there was just everything looked wild, you know, and he was just like oh put uh, and then knocks it wide, you know. But he he had previously scored a goal which. I didn't think was a foul. I mean, he got harshly, in my opinion, harshly real. He was in on goal another couple of times. He hasn't scored for ages. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's obviously had injuries and stuff. And it, it's showing with Patrick Bamford at the moment. Maybe it's not so much that Arsenal got fortunate. It's that Patrick Bamford is just an extremely unfortunate m- moment at the moment. They also had another penalty given and then taken away by VAR at the end. Which I thought was actually the right decision. But what I couldn't understand about the decision, like I think I think it was the right decision to, to take away the penalty because Bamford fouls Gabriel first, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, like he, he barges him. So, that, so that's, a, that's a foul. But then Gabriel was sent off, I thought, for violent conduct after... After the foul, like it was, it was essentially for kicking out at Bamford, right? After he'd been knocked, knocked down, and that was so they they gave a penalty for this and also sent him off. But you're saying that the the violent conduct should have still stood. Well, the violent conduct is happened. the violent conduct remained violent conduct, Regardless even of whether even, or not there was a penalty. Yeah, like I mean, the ball could go out for a throw, and I could punch you in the face. Yeah. Is it a red card? Yes. Yeah. So, so, so I didn't really understand the the logic behind the decision, even though I thought it was, the, it, I thought it was the right decision. 
uh, to not give the penalty on that occasion. But yeah, I mean, Leeds, Leeds thrashed them on the XG, as I'm sure Jesse Marsh probably mentioned at some point. Uh, but, you know, Arsenal went home with the point. So it's, it's beginning to really look as though this could be promising uh, mm-hmm. uh, for Arsenal, although they have to play uh, in the Europa League this weekend. But things are going nicely. Um, the Man United-Newcastle game turned out to be a bit of a disappointment. Um, not least for Cristiano Ronaldo. Well, you know, there, there was that strange incident again. I think maybe he was he was robbed there, right? Mm. I mean, the thing the thing about it is that like, like I thought there is a, there is a whistle. Cher kind of rolls the ball back, and then sort of Nick Pope is standing there, sort of not doing anything, and he obviously thinks the ball is dead because he doesn't do anything. Ronaldo's kind of walking closer and closer to him, and he's you know he's not like said, oh, you know, I better kick the ball away. So he obviously thinks it's, and then Ronaldo just like knocks it in, try, sort of trying his luck and doesn't get it. But I don't know. I thought on another day that could have, but I think United already had the, you know, the fair share of decisions going their way with this unbelievable um, decision not to give a penalty against Varane. You know, it's like, that is, how is that not a penalty? Again, you know, a boring, uh, a boring analysis. Well, the referee should have done this when he did this. Um, well, but it wasn't. It's it wasn't unavoidable. Great. It wasn't such a great game. Um, and what else happened? Tot- Tottenham obviously again plugging away gamely. Matt Doherty back in the team, Cre- creating that uh, creating that opening goal for Harry Kane, of course, firing in that shot that was too hot for Pickford to handle. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't much of a shot, but yeah. it was too hot to handle. Pickford then um, Pickford then commits a foul with his head. It's funny because with Pickford, I sometimes think is I sometimes think is Pickford are people a bit. As in, I think Irish people. I don't know really what English, but there's always a sense. I, I, we're always like Pickford. There's a mistake in Pickford. Yeah. How is this guy the England goalkeeper? There's a mistake, but then he doesn't actually. I don't know if he makes as many mistakes as we think. His his expected mistakes are probably massive, <laughs> but his actual mistakes aren't always. I don't know if there are that many. That one was bad. That was a double bad double howler there at the at the weekend, confirming all our worst fears. I thought maybe the I thought the penalty was maybe a touch. Harsh, um, but I suppose it's hard because I th- I thought that he kind of tried to go for it. He didn't actually touch Kane with his hands. I think it was his head that tripped him up. Is that a foul? I mean, well, yeah, yeah. When Harry Kane's uh, leg connects with your head, that's a foul against Harry Kane, is it? <laughs> or it's a it's a Harry Kane against the, yeah. I mean, I don't know. But um, who has the highest uh, save percentage in the Premier League? Jordan Pickford. Jordan Pickford. Owen. There you go. That's what I'm saying. Eighty two percent. Eighty-two percent at this at this point, which is uh, yeah. I know Murph's not here, but Murph likes the battle of the England goalkeepers. Uh, I found out at the weekend when doing that Forest game that Dean Henderson has conceded ten goals from outside his box this season. That's really? quite a lot of goals. It's more than any other goalkeeper. That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, they have they have had a couple of kind of big beatings, I suppose. But um, yeah, but big beatings. But you still probably should be saving more shots from range. Well, ha- uh, Popey. My 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 man yeah, Popey, yeah, my man Popey and Pickford, they're they're up the top of the save percentages. Uh, Fabianski is the first non-English goalkeeper uh, of West Ham. Hugo Lloris is surprisingly high, just ahead of Allison. Um, but if I go down uh, to find uh, Dean Henderson, well, he's 18th out of 21, just below David de Gea and Aderson. This is percentage, is it? That's percentage, 57% right. save percentage. And below him are only three uh, players, but immediately below Dean Henderson is our boy Gavin Bazzini. Gavin Bazzini is 57, Danny Ward 47, and bottom of the list with a 40% save percentage in the Premier League, that's three out of every shots are going in, 
is Mark Travers. So hey, we're here to slag off the England goalkeepers. Not the goalkeepers. <laughs> <laughs> Talked about yeah. Bazunia and Travers before. So okay, so that so there we are. But like again, our guys can only get better from here. Now, where were we? Oh yeah, so we we uh, there's a couple of other things. There was also obviously a big uh, match, um, Real Madrid against Barcelona, won very comfortably by Real Madrid. Uh, Karen Benzema, who's going to win the Ballon d'Or today, uh, scored the first goal. Uh, Valverde scored a fantastic second goal, um, hammering it in from the edge of the box, and then the third goal was a penalty in um, in uh, injury time. Ferran Torres had got the goal for Barcelona, um, a late goal for them, but then they ended up losing three one anyway. So it's not looking, it's not looking great for the white trousered wonder of the dugout, Xavi, uh, who has uh, well, as, as all the Spanish media were repeating yesterday, the worst record of any coach who has reached fifty matches with Barcelona. It's twenty eight wins, eleven draws, and eleven defeats. So wow. It's worse than Ronald Koeman, who obviously was regarded as being a disgrace to the club. I mean, he not when he was a player. He was one of their best players. Uh, but as a manager, no one had any time for him. And Xavi's record is worse than that. There was an element with, with Xavi, I guess, well, uh, the fans all love him so much that they were going to give him some time. And obviously, there's the young players that he's supposed to bring through. But then when you go and sign Robert Lewandowski, maybe that changes things somewhat. And this is the thing, you know, this is what makes it, I think very bad. I mean, Xavi had, for example, this was his first away defeat as Barcelona manager. So until then, until then, I think it was eighteen matches unbeaten. And the, there's only one coach I, that I could think of who had such an incredible unbeaten run away from home, and that was Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. And all I can say is that going on a mad unbeaten run away from home like that doesn't necessarily um, mean that much. But it, it's in the context of what else is happening in the Spanish league that this is pretty embarrassing. For well, the context is nobody else spending anything because they none of them have any money. I mean, there's a reason why Fernando Perez is trying to escape. He's trying to build an escape pod to get out of La Liga. Like Barcelona spent, um, uh, Barcelona spent uh, 153 million euros, which is way more than anybody else. Their net spend is 118 million, which actually in the Premier League isn't even doesn't even sound like that much, 118 million euros. But the next biggest spending club in net terms is Atletico Madrid, who have it's 19 million. So 118 net to 19 net. That's the second most. There are one, two, three, four, five, six clubs who made a profit on transfers, including Real Madrid, who the only player they signed was uh, Chiuameni. So uh, Barcelona have, have come in, you know, obviously, uh, what's-his-face, um, Laporta did all the quasi-quartang stuff. You know, we're going to grow, we're going to get big fast, we're going to move fast and break things, and uh, levered, levered them up. And, uh, you know, so they had Drake, Drake was involved in the game yesterday somehow. I think Drake, Drake, Drake put a, a massive bet in crypto on Barca to win, but obviously he would have lost that. But again, things, you know, it's something to do with some gambling company he was promoting, I Guessing Drake's going to be all right. I, I think Drake. I think Drake will will be okay. But that's sort of that's where Barcelona are at now, doing deals with Drake, you know, for coins, and now and and spending all that on on. By the way, a big number nine, Diego Torres, as we know, has been going on his whole team of the years. Tanks is the tank obsolete? I mean, we've seen a lot of that with the war in Ukraine. But Diego Torres is looking at it on the football field. It, can we? Is the tank still part of modern football? And uh, 
right now he seems to be the only thing that's that's really going for Barcelona is Lewandowski. He set up to go for Torres yesterday. He's been bashing in goals for them all season. And in the Champions League, he's been the only thing that's been sort of keeping them remotely in with a, with a well, chance. The game last week was hilarious. He keeps equalising. Just just about keeping his slim hope of staying in the Champions League alive. But this is not this this is not what Xavi is supposed to be all about. This is not the, the gospel Xavi preaches. You know, and then a six foot three inch pole, <laughs> you know, built like a Terminator will come and smash in headers into the top corner from long diags that you pump into the box desperately. That's not what it's supposed to be about. So, yeah, it's. I don't think it's going too, too well for him. We should just mention also that Kylian Mbappe claims that last week's stories about him wanting to leave Paris Saint-Germain are completely untrue. Uh, the quotes are sort of interesting. I'm very happy I've never asked to leave in January. I'm not implicated directly or indirectly in this speculation. The reports uh, were believed to have come from his entourage. Mm. Uh, I don't understand why the story came out in the day of the game. I was as shocked as everyone. People can think I was involved, but I wasn't at all. So the Times where this says, the source of the stories are believed to be members of his entourage. Uh, so then there's this quote from Mbappe. I was having a rest, and my entourage were watching my little brother. <laughs> Does he say? Does he actually say that? I mean, entourage is a French word. Right, so maybe it just means... You know, my, my, my friends. friends. <laughs> you know, that's How big an entourage is required for babysitting duties? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you know, it's you have a, you would think maybe one or maybe two of them could have done that and then the rest could you, you can turn on the PlayStation for him. You get him an orange juice. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if this is meant to be an alibi. Like, they were all watching my little brother, so they couldn't possibly have briefed journalists that I was trying to leave in January. We couldn't believe it when we heard about the story. So anyway, he says he's not leaving in January. Okay. And it does seem unlikely that he would because they're still going to have a Champions League campaign to play. So I don't see them letting him leave before then, whatever the circumstance. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1, only from Rust-Oleum. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Very pleased to say we can speak to the Liverpool manager, Jurgen Klopp, now. Joining us, what did you like about your team's performance tonight? Everything. Did I, did I hear it right? Mr. Keane said um, we had a sloppy performance tonight? Not only by, because I could hear you already. Did he say that? Cannot be this game. Sorry. Jurgen Klopp said the other day about Man City had a break because of the virus when their game was called off against Man City. I think they missed two days training. They are making a lot of excuses to meet up in bad champions. This was a sloppy performance tonight. 
I just want to only hear it, because I'm not sure if I heard it right. Maybe he spoke about another game. But about this game tonight, there's nothing bad to say. Jürgen Klopp said, yeah, maybe the goalkeeper's feet was cold. It's excuses after excuses. Talk about Liverpool. People keep telling me Liverpool's a great club and a huge club. Well, keep performing like that. It'll be another 30 years before you win the league title. No, you're, can you hear me? Sloppy. Yes, I don't know. I look at the speaker and only heard the word sloppy. That's in that game tonight, and then it was the wrong you need, one. But you need to hear the rest of it. We've got Jonathan Wilson in front of us in studio today, a rare treat. Jonathan, how are you? I'm very well, thanks. Delighted Good. to be here. Yeah, what has he in town? Uh, I was doing a Dublin Libraries event yesterday, uh, oh, yeah. discussing my uh, my new book, which will be a tremendous Christmas present to two brothers. It, w- it will be. I'm reading it at the moment, Jonathan, and I can, I can, I can endorse that. Um, and I'm not only saying that because I'm actually a feature in the book, Ken. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. In well. the glossary to chapter 19. <laughs> there is my name in there. I'm, I'm frantically searching. Where's my fucking name in it? Straight to the index. Yeah, the Harry, the Harry Ramsons challenge, fish and chips, all that kind of stuff. Wait, there's an amazing sentence you have, Jonathan, that says that the whole Harry Ramsons thing was a curious echo of Jack's own argument over starters with Bill Lampton when he was at Leeds. So wasn't it, what, what the hell was that? Uh, yeah, so Bill Lampton was one of a series of absolutely useless managers Leeds had. Pre-Revy. Before Revy. Yeah. And they'd been at some hotel or restaurant and Jack was really hungry. And I think he wanted soup and melon. Now he wanted two <laughs> starters. And Lampton was sort of, no, you can't do that. Like in, you, you have one starter, that's what happens in restaurants. You have one starter, then you have your steak. And, and, yeah, and Jack was furious because he felt Lampton was suggesting that he, he didn't understand how to behave himself properly. So it was a class-driven thing. Ah, okay. And Jack was like, I'm just hungry. Just, like, give me more food. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I'll tell you what, listen, we'll, we'll have to talk about the book properly in due course. Uh, you know, not just Jack's dietary habits, but there's a lot of really, really interesting stuff about both Jack and Bobby and that. We will talk today about Liverpool and City and everything that happened yesterday. For, I mean, the headline is Liverpool are back, or are they? I mean, there's definitely... Uh, signs that the Embers hadn't gone out as much as we thought they had. But, I mean, yeah, they, they haven't lost at home for 18 months. Yeah. Um, so maybe we had sort of written them off a bit too quickly. But I have to say, when I saw the teams, I was, I was sort of thinking, God, what's it going to be? Three, four, five, not the City? Mm. And then... What, was that largely because of Milner up against Foden again? Or what was it? Oh, and that was a big part of it, yeah. But then actually the way it worked, because Foden wasn't really playing as the winger in the 4-3-3 because he was playing... Is a sort of wing-back type thing. I mean, it seemed like a, a bit of a hybrid formation. It wasn't a pure 3-5-2, but it certainly wasn't a pure 4-3-3. So that seemed to kind of um, diminish Cancelo playing on the right rather than the left and playing as a wing-back. But also it meant Foden wasn't right up against Milner, which meant he sort of came into the orbit of um, Harvey Elliott, mm. who I thought had a really good game. Yeah. His energy sort of... Uh, blocking up that area in front of Joe Gomez and, and Milner. And so that, that threat down the left that I assume City would have just, just wasn't there. Um, do you think that, I mean, you're talking about City's formation, that, that Pep actually did overthink this in the traditional style? You know, let's let's move Foden to the left, Cancelo to the right and drop Grealish? I mean, <laughs> when you, th- you know, in the in the perspective of, of having lost the game 1-0, you, you do look back at that and think, do you really need to do that? I mean, you know, they've been winning their games easily, stylishly. Grealish actually playing the best he's played mm. for City. And, um, you yeah, know, that's the decision. Yeah. I mean, I, I, 
It's the change of shape that, that baffles me. I, I can see the logic of uh, we want to get Gundogan into midfield to just have a bit more protection in there. So I, I can see that that shift, but I don't understand why you would move away from a four three three. And I know Pep makes all these changes all the time, and when they work, we don't really even notice them. And it's when they go wrong, we point them out. Mm-hmm. But I do wonder. Um, there was a, a a sort of fraughtness to Pep from the start, mm. uh, from that very first handshake. And I wonder if Klopp's comments on Friday about the difficulty of battling against a, a state-run club, I do wonder if that rattled him. Not so much in the sense that it pricked his conscience about who actually is funding my little special project here, but maybe it's not even my project. That, and so he had to prove uh, it's not just about the money, it's not just about this ridiculous gold troll up front. It is actually about my cleverness, and here's me being clever. And I don't know, maybe I'm reading too much into that. That is one of the great mind games by Jurgen Klopp, if he did manage to essentially fool Pep into doing that. Yeah, I mean, if he, if he did it on purpose, it's absolutely genius. I mean, it's it's the carry level stuff, but I, I, I would assume it's an unintended consequence of him making a very reasonable point uh, about the financial disparities and the fact that Liverpool can't... Liverpool can't afford a mistake, basically, in the transfer market where City can... Leave Grealish on the bench. Leave, leave a £100 million player on the bench, yeah. Um, the, I, I think you are right about this. Uh, I think that, that, did, that did happen here. I mean, there have been suggestions, I think, from City that... Um, you get, because there was, there, there was a lot of um, kind of aggro surrounding the game, mm. you know? So there was uh, coins thrown at Guardiola... Um, from by the Liverpool fans, there were chants from the City fans, which Liverpool have issued a statement uh, condemning. Um, City uh, City's attitude supposedly is that they they um, that what Klopp said on Friday heated things up. Yeah, that that, I mean, that, 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 that already you've got you've got uh, history here. You've got the the bus attack, you know, which Pep referred to again. This was when they were arriving for one of the Champions League games at Anfield and. Um, and the bus got pelted, and uh, and that you know th- when you do this, this is sort of what happens when you heat up the pot. Sometimes it boils over, but they're kind, of, you know, the, the, that's sort of suggesting that that yeah, we did take offence to that. We he did go down in my estimation when he said that, <laughs> when he said those things. I mean, to be clear, what this is, it's a briefing from City where they they sort of they've said this is not to be quoted. This is not a City spokesman said, mm. but. The, the the gist of it is exactly what Ken's just said of yeah look we condemn these chants and you know it was chants about Hillsborough and you know, the sun were right or, you know all that kind of stuff it's a pretty horrific stuff but then this yeah you know, but it's actually your fault yeah you know, you've you brought this on yourself by by heating the pot which I think is a bizarre um I mean it's not I was about to say a bizarre statement it's not a statement a bizarre tone for a club to be taking in its briefings because basically i mean they boil that down what's that saying what's that what that's saying is if you comment on the financial disparities between our clubs then we are entitled to mock your dead i mean is that and that's just a, like so irresponsible and, and just so offensive mm. um I, I i mean i was i was genuinely sort of gobsmacked when i when i saw that yeah i mean it's it, it, I mean, I, I can see why. What I mean, what Klopp had basically said was, you know, 
uh, th- there are three clubs that have no ceiling. Other clubs have ceilings, and he was referring to City, uh, PSG, and Newcastle. And obviously, this is that this kind of strikes at the heart of you know what City are doing. It's something that the, the City can't, City fans certainly won't ever accept because it sort of it puts a cloud over what they've done. You know, in the sense that they're they're sort of winning court by different, they're playing by different rules to to the competition. So. Uh, so yeah, I can see why it why why it annoys them, and obviously why it annoys Guardiola. But it definitely did. Guardiola was pissed off, and Guardiola kept saying after the game, "This is Anfield. This is Anfield." This was like his slogan. I think it's quite interesting to kind of dig into what he means there. There's a few things going on, but I think under, underlying it is Guardiola. Guardiola thinks that Liverpool are what are are the English Real Madrid, mm-hmm. right? He actually thinks that they're like. They're the sort of the establishment club who actually control the whole system and that everybody wants them to win. When in fact, I mean, it's, if anything, it's the opposite. Like when <laughs> I think most neutrals are happy for Man City to smash Liverpool because it's funnier. You, you know what I mean? If well, it, it was to start with. I mean, now the City have won four of the last five titles. Yeah, it's, it, it, I, don't, I, mean, I don't know if most neutrals want City to keep winning the league. I don't know if that's right. No, but I, I, I think I mean, five, five years you, ago, I think you, that probably was the case. But if you think back to last last season, you know, the, the last day of the season, I mean, I think there was, you know, people were happy. Enough because because it's as though when City win the league, it's like, well, that's the kind of, that's sort of the, the status the, quo. The, that's expect. the expected outcome. Whereas if, if Liverpool were to win the league in this circumstance, oh, we'd never hear the end of this. You know, you know I, I think there's a lot of unpacking there. I mean, I, I think there was a, definitely a, a sense that we don't want anybody to do the quadruple. The quadruple is... Once it's done, it's, the, you know, the fun of chasing it isn't there anymore. So you don't want that to happen. Um, whether people were anti-Liverpool as such, I, I doubt. But I mean, there's, there's no doubt that the way the way football has gone in the last sort of, 10, 15 years, Liverpool have become the scrappy outsider, which is preposterous when they've run by an American hedge fund. But that's the ludicrous nature of a, of a modern game. But that this is Anfield thing. I mean, it clearly is a line that Guardiola had had thought about mm. and was because apparently he he was saying that on the touchline that the way he was kind of walking down the touchline waving his hands above his head bizarrely whipping the crowd up this in a is totally exactly, exactly the opposite of what you're meant to do irresponsible way in terms of public order but also an irresponsible way in terms of Manchester City winning the football match mm. because that's uh, only going to suit one team getting the atmosphere more yeah. and more whipped up it's going to suit Liverpool based on style of play and them being the home team a bit yes, of chaos is better exactly. Liverpool, and style yeah. of play I think yeah, create chaos and shape the chaos is, is Klopp's way of doing it, rather than the the sort of the the more Apollonian, mm. calm it all down style of of Pep, which he's had to compromise slightly because of Holland, uh, which is another tactical point maybe we can come on to. But he, you know, he then repeated this this is Anfield line in the press conference with the with the written press. He said it to Sky, he said it to the BBC, he said it in radio interviews, and it, the thing it reminded me of was was the end of Chinatown, where yeah, you know, forget it, Jake, it's Chinatown. As if kind of this is a lawless zone. Of course, we can't win here. What can we do here? Mm-hmm. And you know, Guardiola has, has gone to with City to Anfield eight times. He's lost five, drawn two, won one. One he won was when there's no fans. But I also wonder if there's another thing there of him thinking. And I think I think the the, the main implication is referees don't behave rationally at Anfield. Well, they don't. That the the main implication I took from it is. You, you can't get a fair referee at Anfield. Yeah, but I think there's also an undertone of this is actually the atmosphere I want. And the atmosphere, think? yeah, I think there's a sort of uh, yeah, I, I want the 
the club I manage, I want their stadium to generate an atmosphere like this where referees are affected. I, I honestly think yeah. that he was, that what he's saying there is like his retort to the charge that, oh, uh, you know, <clears throat> we all know why City win. It's because, uh, it's because of Sheikh Mansour. It's because of the money. And he's kind of saying, well, yeah, well, you know, you've got like basically every game, every home game you play, um, the referees are just uh, rolling. Yeah, no, the I, I agree with you. That's that's the sort of the 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 the, 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 you know, the main uh, bulk of it. Yeah. But I think there is an undertone of, and I wish we had that as well. What did you make of? I mean, if you actually look at the because Pep wasn't the only manager who, who lost it. I mean, Klopp got sent <laughs> off for for screaming in the the guy's face, the the assistant referee. Um. But it, I mean, it was one of the most interesting matches from a refereeing point of view. People don't like talking about referees, but in this case, it actually was interesting because it was such a dominating factor of the match. And you, both of the managers were driven mad by what what the referee was doing, um, even though ultimately the decisions were better for Klopp, even though he was the one who got sent off. So what did you think of the, the actual decision to rule out the Man City goal? I, I just don't understand why it's controversial. I just think it's correct. It's controversial, I think, because it's like, why are you going back that far? Why? But, but it's it's sort of like what two, three, four passes. Well, no, it's, it's no, it's controversial because the referee, according to Pep, went into the dressing rooms or wherever they have these conversations beforehand. His office spoke to Klopp, spoke to Pep's assistant, and said, "Off you go, lads. Yeah. I'm not going to call any fouls." Basically, today. there are no rules no, today. But, but, which he employed uh, pretty much the entire way through the game. Let loads of stuff go, like that one, that Bernardo Silva one on uh, on Salah, which. You know, wasn't the, That's why Klopp got sent Looks, looks slight, slightly reminiscent of the Ramos Salah one, if not quite with the same devastating. Yeah, it's, it's just he's, he's not as strong as. So basically, Ramos. the only the, then the one time I know it's VAR, they're the ones that called it, but they're still showing the referee. So when the referee has a chance to look at the replay of his decision to let it go, like he was letting out the other ones go, he decides not to let it go anymore because it resulted in a goal. Right now, but I, I think um, all we ask for is consistency, Jonathan, to, to quote all the mm-hmm. players and. But I, I think Guardiola has been massively disingenuous there. That the it's not the case of oh we're going to let a load of fouls go. It's we're redefining what a foul is, and that's not Anthony Taylor. That's the Premier League at the beginning of a season, and they've said you know shoulder shoulder contact, a little bit of grappling for the ball. Even if you, you know, when you challenge, you just sort of brush your bloke's calf on the way through. That's, that's all fine, really. But there's always a line at which it's too much, and pulling somebody's shirt is not ever is not ever a legitimate way. Of winning uh, there's the ball. no way. This, you're saying that was more of a foul than, for example, that one on Salah, or the one where Salah got kicked in the first half, really clearly kicked. Which oh, wasn't that was crazy. Yeah, this is right no, no, no. What I'm saying is, I, I think those. I think there's three instances where Salah was actually fouled quite badly and it mm, wasn't given. Yeah. I think that's. But I think that's in the interpretation of. Um, they, they, there's a sort of you know there's a spectrum there in that type of foul between what you allow and what you don't. I think they were they were significantly more towards what you shouldn't allow than what you should. But they were they were on that spectrum. Shirt pulling is not on that spectrum. What, what you, shirt what, pulling is an offence. Doesn't matter how little I, you pull I, the shirt. I think those other ones are offences as well. I think the Bernardo well, the, Silva one. Yeah, I, I agree. But, but, but the, well, the, the, the Bernardo Silva one, he was hanging out of his shirt by both hands. Yeah. So that was <laughs> also shirt pulling. As soon as whatever you, else it was. As soon as you pull the shirt, it is a foul. Yeah. Now I get that they can be missed by the referee, particularly when his view is blocked by by Holland in, in this case. I, I understand why Anthony Taylor didn't see it, 
It doesn't matter. There's a whole lot of oh, Fabinho was toppling anyway. It doesn't matter. As soon as you pull the shirt, it's a foul. No, I agree. That, I think we're all agreed and that so, was a foul. And yeah. so as soon as VAR sees that, and one of the things VAR can see very clearly is a hand pulling a shirt, mm. whereas the amount of weight put into a shoulder challenge or whatever, that's a much more subjective decision. This isn't subjective. It's objective. Yeah, I, shirt, I, I don't agree foul. that the other ones were particularly subjective either, to be honest. The, the, the I don't, I, I'm not denying the, the bad decisions. I just think they're red having in but, this but discussion. Sorry, so, yeah. So, yeah, so, well, yeah, well, they're not really, because you're ending up in a situation where, essentially, you can kick the shit out of people around the pitch, no problem, and especially defenders can do what they want to attacking players. And yet, if... Uh, something leads to a goal. A goal. The whole point of let it flow, I thought, was to get more exciting football and fast flowing, all that kind of stuff. More goals, more everything. But you get you're in a position where you get a goal ruled out for the same sort of foul that isn't being given against defenders in situations where they're stopping, stopping goals. goals. Yeah, no, it's. I mean, you're exactly. No, right I mean, that, that is true. But that's the nature of VAR. I read your column. I was fixing this guy. He's exactly. That's exactly it what I think. Crystallise a thought in my head. <laughs> there's, a, there's a stricter liability <laughs> in the build-up to goals. Court press here, Jonathan. So continue. There's a stricter liability in the build-up to goals than than at other times. That, that's the nature of VAR. But uh, yeah, the, the whole ludicrousness of, of going on about this incident when uh, the PGMRL have said that they would also rule it out for the challenge in Allison, which, to be honest, I haven't seen enough. Yeah, I haven't really seen it back myself because it, that kind of got lost in the whole thing anyway. Well, it became random. But also, the incident that comes from is a goal kick which should have been a corner. Hmm. So City have got the goal kick they shouldn't have got that then leads to a foul, then leads to another foul that leads to the goal. I mean, how many reasons do you want to rule it out? Yeah. And, but, you know, and the mad thing is that they actually did say later that the Haaland challenge on Allison was, was a foul too, right? So they, they so <laughs> I'm like, okay, so they, they, I can't remember who exactly said that, like the refereeing. The, yeah, the PJMO. Yeah, that's just, what Jonathan said there. Yeah. So, so, so there's two fouls that the referee doesn't blow for. It's like, what are you doing? You know what I mean? And then, and then they're like, well, if we if we hadn't ruled it out for one, it would have been the other. But it's it's just this incredibly stupid situation where this policy, which is designed to you know make things better, is in fact having only one reliable effect, which is to send people crazy, right? And to have them screaming about the referees and get and the managers being sent off and the players pushing and shoving each other and the crowd singing. Um, you know, offensive chance and throwing coins, right? That's actually the outcome of randomly enforcing the rules one way or the other. So I don't know how long they're going to keep going with this nonsense. You might be absolving some of the individuals there of behaving <laughs> in a less insane manner. Well, yeah, the I managers mean, in particular. Yeah, although you know, I mean, Klopp was saying afterwards, I don't want to give an excuse, and then gave the excuse of. Um, well, I mean, how, how did you not? How is that not a foul? You know, because because obviously it's it's like uh, the, you're you're only going to enforce it when it when it leads directly to a goal. VAR doesn't get involved when it's a foul out by the touchline, but that could have been a goal, or certainly at least should have been a free kick in, in an attacking position. Do you like the let it flow while you're here in studio with Ken? <sighs> you can't say you can't actually say yes. See, this is the thing you want to say yes because. You know, because you fit, you're a patriotic Englishman, but you you, you know that you can't. Well, it's just nonsense. Well, no, I, I. Do you want to have your cake and eat it, Jonathan? <laughs> well, ideally, yeah. Um, and I think I think we're all lies if we say we don't want to do that. Um, the, 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 there's again, it's not a it's not a black or white. There's there's a scale here, and I I don't want you know 150 free kicks given a game for a couple of shoulders nudge against each other. Mm-hmm. 
I want an element of physicality in the game. I want it to to flow. Whether we've stepped slightly too far to, towards the the flowiness rather than whistliness, yeah. then that's that's probably true. I just think, but I mean, you... I just sort of think it doesn't matter how much you're letting it flow. Those were three fouls on on Salah. Yeah, yeah. If you want fewer fouls, I think you should punish fouls. Discourage it by punishing it. Don't don't. <laughs> they're trying to. They're just saying let's. They're they're encouraging foul. They're encouraging players to foul, basically incentivizing fouls. But you know, okay, let's. There's there's no more really to say about that. Just a, on, on the subject of of City's performance in the second half. City, I thought in the first half were pretty good. Like you know, they were the more the more dominant team on the ball. You know, Holland had that great chance from the De Bruyne across. There was a couple of other moments. You know, you always got the sense they were dangerous, and I felt they were kind of in control. That went in the second half. And it went at the moment when Guardiola basically turned around to whip up the crowd, like his, his protege, Arteta. The last manager I could remember doing something like that at that stadium. And also another guy who's obsessed with, you know, remember Arteta's whole getting the speakers out in the training pitch to, to play, you'll never walk alone. We're going to, and this place is crazy. And then they go out, he loses his head and they, they lose 4-0. It was just what? Um, you know, but but so he, he kind of lost his cool, obviously whipped up the crowd to hysterics. And that seemed to translate onto the pitch. But there's also this other element which you have mentioned already, which is to do with, is what happened to City there part of the price of having Holland in the team? Because he kind of wasn't really so much of a factor in the second half of the game. He wasn't really much involved at all. But definitely the usual control that City had was absent. There's a lot of reasons for that. But how much of it does it have to do with Holland? Because it's something I think Pep will be thinking about. Yeah, I mean... When it goes wrong for City, it always goes wrong in the same way, which is they, they get done by balls played behind the, the defensive line, which pushes high. And you know, even things like you know, the defeat to Lyon in the Champions League, that was how it happened. When they lost to Frank Lampard's Chelsea, the game that, that gave Liverpool the title, that was Chelsea got in behind them. And that's the, that's the flaw in the Guardiola system. He Obviously, he's well aware of that. And... You can sort of say the whole of the last decade or so has been him trying to work out a way to to to, to mitigate that, um, and and you know, I think that whole thing that he you know, he used to say that it takes fifteen passes to get the structure right so we don't get counted against. I think that's a, a, an incredibly interesting way or incredibly revealing about how he sees the game. Because, uh, I mean, you can obviously only do that with really good teams because a bad team won't be able to string 15 passes together. <laughs> so you, he's playing at that level where 15 passes, you, you just assume you can do it and you create that structure. And yet still, that is a thing that over the last decade has repeatedly gone wrong for them. Even going back to the, the Torres goal in the 2012 oh, the semi-final. Yeah. I know that was right at the end of the game and the shape of the game had gone a bit. But Holland magnifies that, that, that flaw because he needs the ball played forward quickly. If you don't get it forward to him quickly, you get a situation, as you got in the community shield, where he's making the runs and the ball's not getting there. Mm. So City have been playing the ball forward quicker this season. It's brought them loads of goals, brought Holland loads of goals. It looked great. But I think Pep's always known that flaw is there and it worries him. And I think that's probably why he changed the shape, why he went to the quasi-back three, the hybrid system. Um, and yet still... That was where it went wrong. Mm. Not only with the goal, but the chance Salah had that led to the goal kick that shouldn't have been, that led to the 
Paul and pull on Fabinho that led to the foul on Allison that led to the goal that was ruled out, which led to everything else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, of course, the Darwin Nunez is. <laughs> oh, we've been talking a bit about Darwin already. <laughs> he sold the show. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Ken was, was pointing out yesterday that in the time when um, Nunez was on the pitch and. <laughs> and sort of make it all about his, his own sort of head down display. running, ignoring players. And, but Hall only touched the ball three times, and one of them was the kickoff. Uh, it was a defensive header, and then a sort of disappointing header that went over the bar. So he failed quietly while Nunez was failing with with, with a you know great kickoff. <laughs> Do you think Nunez is going to make it? I think he's making it pretty hard for himself. <laughs> no, I, 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 See, is it yips, right? Because he actually reminds me a bit of Diego Forlan. You know, the, who when he joined Manchester United, I mean, he's a totally different player from Diego Forlan. But it's there's, this, there's something similar about the way that, although I think, did Forlan take ages to even score a goal? Yeah, I think but he did. There was some, and he eventually smashed Liverpool at Anfield. That was like his, his kind of breakthrough. And he was almost gone immediately after that. But, or even Andy Cole. You know, Andy Cole was one of the, the best strikers of the Ferguson era. When he joined Manchester United, it was pretty bad for... It was actually... Do you remember the goal against um, Newcastle? He his, Obviously, he left Newcastle for Man United, but it was, I think it was the following season. Um, Around Christmas time. Did that's he right. A nice and goal against he scored a great goal. And he remember what he said after? He said, I put a bit of welly on it. Um, because he, he done, like he'd scored five against Ipswich in a game, but it didn't really still click for him. He was still kind of missing chances and looking nervous and being kind of a shadow of the player that they thought they had signed. And it was only when that happened that he kind of he seemed to have a psychological breakthrough. You know, oh, you know, I can actually, I, I can do this. I feel good about this now again. And I, and I do wonder if, if that's going to happen with Nunez. The thing that makes me think it probably will is that nobody can be as bad <laughs> as he looks. It, you know, in the, the, the chip... <laughs> I'm honest, I don't remember I didn't, I forgot, I didn't forgotten the chip. I was thinking there was two of those chances. One, there was three. You're right. There's... Oh, there was, there was, he, he had a shot wide. Then he had the ridiculous moment where he, he ran through and there's two players that he could pass it and he passed it to the defender. And you're thinking, how has he managed to do that? Then he had the cross, which, which. Yeah, he attempted the really hard cross to Alexander Arnold. Like, yeah, which much easier. Inside, yeah. yeah, and a much easier cutback. He hit it too, he hit the cross too hard. I mean, originally the kind of run past the defender was good and then the cross was just, oh, come on, you know. But then the chip, I've never seen anyone do that. But sorry, so why are you saying that this all convinces you he will make it because he's getting I, himself into position to because, do it? No, well, I, I, I honestly, I just can't believe that anyone is as bad as that. You know what I mean? I mean to, to do that. Like, you're, not, you're not slightly worried by the example of Timo Werner? Uh, Timo Werner never did anything as, as crazy as that. You know, Timo was, was hitting a lot of ineffectual shots wide. Dragging you know I mean? a lot of shots wide yeah. to the keeper's right. But, but he wasn't just producing spectacular moments of incompetence like that. Like, that, that's something beyond. And that's why I think it's kind of yips. You know what I mean? Like, I, uh, you know, how, how good he's ultimately going to be, I don't know. But he can't be that bad. Mm. Like, you know, I'm, I, I'm, I'm willing to say, I'm setting I mean, my stall out. The, the, the positive is that he was... Every game he's been very, very involved in. He's, so, you know, he's one of those players who, who makes things happen. Um, and normally I, I sort of think that will come right eventually, but I just... You're not sure. I just have Team Averno on my shoulder going, <laughs> don't forget how long these bad runs can go on for. Yeah. Although, you know, and the fact is that Klopp didn't play him in this game because, you know, he's not good enough to be to be involved in the starting line against City. Although maybe when the game then started to go crazy, you're like, actually, this is his type of game. You know, put him... <laughs> that's what Klopp decided to do. Meanwhile, Grealish is sitting there on the other bench 
And I thought that was interesting as well, because remember what we were talking about with, uh, with City and, you know, the 15 passes and the patience and, the, you know, let's all move up the pitch together. And you could see them doing that in the first half. Like there's moments when they're kind of moving forward and Gunnian has a ball and then he suddenly turns around and like passes it back. And you can see the players kind of moving up past this. You know, not a lot of teams really do that. You know, he, it, it, City are a particular type of team, but you know, usually if a team has has the kind of initiative and attack, they're, they're kind of going for it. Certainly, Liverpool are are usually doing that, kind of keep, you know keep attacking, keep moving forward. And City are kind of moving back, back forward, back forward, and then get everyone up and around the ball. And Guardiola has spoken this season uh, about how Grealish is one of the best players for that. Like he's that he's got the patience to help them play this kind of game, you know. And and when he's not there, they miss him. But the truth of what he thinks of Grealish is the fact that he didn't bring him on. You know what I mean? If that's exactly what you what you what you need in this game, if you've talked about this guy and how he brings that kind of composure and presence on the ball, that's exactly what you need in this game. So why aren't you using him? Yeah, I mean, I, it would be a remarkable change in perceptions of Grealish if he really is the most composed man at Manchester City. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I you know. You look at that game and you look at Grealish's temperament and you think he's going to get clattered and he's going to react to it and he's going to get Grealish, does he react? He always gets clattered. I, I, does he, I've never yeah, seen him Yeah, maybe he doesn't react, but... He doesn't, he's... This is the thing about Grealish. He yeah, gets clattered so much. He does get clattered a lot, yeah. So, well, well Sunis has uh, obviously criticises him for, you know, not moving the ball quickly enough. But that's why that's why he gets fouled up because he, he is not worried about people coming close to them. You know, he's not worried about keeping holding onto the ball under pressure. From and that's exactly what City need. It's exactly what Guardiola says he does, and it's exactly the thing City needed in the game. And yet, w- when the chips were down, he left them on the bench like he left them there. Did, for he most didn't of the make Champions it League. up until very late, did he, Guardiola? He often, so. he, he often, he often does, does that, yeah. that in games. I can't remember what his first. Um, I got a feeling sort of eighty ninth minute or something. Yeah, he's a, yeah he he's not a big uh, he like he likes to use a lot of subs when they're winning, and he just wants to rest a few guys. Uh, but now, in the case of in the case of the game yesterday, it was Al- yeah Alvarez was the only substitute, so it came on for Gunnar in the 89th minute. Hmm. A lot of people are talking about how whether or not this gives Liverpool any faint chance of uh, of a charge at the title. But we really should be talking about Arsenal because they're the big beneficiaries of this result. Jonathan, four points clear at the top of the league, genuine title contenders. Well, uh, I mean, I, I think the the last four teams to win nine of the first ten games have gone on to win the title. Apparently so. Um, so I mean, you, can, you can't say they're not contenders. I'd, I'd still be amazed, but um, and I sort of felt it was a slightly ragged win over Leeds. That um, I, I and this may be that I just haven't seen the right angle, but I don't really understand why the Bamford goal was ruled out. I, I can see where there might have been a push, but none of the angles I've seen have shown a push. Mm. Uh, the missed penalty. Um, I, I don't think it was. Uh, I don't know how many games Arsenal can have where you can sort of go, ah, well, at least they've shown a bit of the resilience they've lacked. Well, that's kind of what Arteta said afterwards. He's, it's a great great sort of game to win with all this stuff going on. Sure, I know, Arsenal fans don't like when I use this word, have... but resilience and luck are two different things. Well, maybe they haven't been very lucky in recent seasons then, Ken. Well, that could be true. They've, use, had, some re- they've, had, some, they've had some wretched luck. It is a terrible pity that they're not playing City this week, which is what they're meant to be doing. This would have been such a great time. I think they're, they're, to be playing City at home in a, in a night game, City just coming off that um, that uh, tough game that they've just had. You tell, and I'm presenting on Premier Sports this week. That would have been a nice one. It would. Yeah, this was had to get into fray. But it had the atmosphere to... at the um, at the Emirates 
the last couple of games have been as good as it's ever been. Yeah. So it, why is that? Why is that? Because not remember, remember Arsenal's Europa League game against PSV got postponed because it was around the time the Queen died. Mm-hmm. So they're playing that game this week, which meant that the City game they were meant to play on Wednesday got postponed. Okay. So I think that's unfortunate for Arsenal the way things have, are going. Although you know it's not as though they played that well against Leeds, so maybe they'll you know. Maybe maybe it's not the moment, but I just feel as though, yeah, this would have been a good time to really, having won 9 out of 10, to have a go at City and see if they could then open that up to seven points, but they don't get the, opp- the opportunity. Uh, we might as well finish by talking about Liverpool because uh, they did win the game. It wasn't all about City's shortcomings. The formation that they had, the way they played, is that sustainable for the rest of the season against other teams or was it specific to the challenge posed by City? Uh, well, I mean, the, the, the sort of... 4-2-3-1 or 4-4-2, whatever you want to call it, is is clearly where Klopp sees it going. I think getting Salah through the middle mm-hmm. definitely helped. And I think one of the problems um, he'd had was that playing wide on the right with a, a more orthodox centre-forward than Firmino or, or Jota meant that he, he wasn't getting into the box as much. So, And that had partly been caused by the signing of Luis Diaz last, last January, that him playing on the left had pushed Manny into the middle, which meant that there wasn't a, a sort of withdrawn forward, as a more orthodox forward. So the number of shots per game that Salah had up to the game against Chelsea in January the 2nd, which was his last game before the Cup of Nations, so the last game before Diaz arrived, I think he was 3.9 per game. This season, before yesterday, had been 2.9 per game. So he just wasn't getting as many shooting opportunities. You play him through the middle... And he can he can get back in that sort of inside right role where you know he's so good cutting in, so that I think definitely works. Um, and you know, in in the four two three one previously he'd been playing wide right and hadn't had that central role. That clearly does create issues for for Darwin Nunez because logically he has to play with with Firmino or, or possibly Jota as and when Luis Diaz returns. Well, he could play he could he could play with with Salah in the middle, or he could play as apparently he's doing for Uruguay. He was saying on the. Yeah, I mean, he, he has been playing on the left for Uruguay. I don't think he's been playing particularly well for Uruguay on the left, but he has been playing on the left for Uruguay in a, in a 4 5 1. Um, so It'll be a bit it, like it, Fellaini um, for yeah, or, Van Gaal at Man United. Remember or when, Emil Heskey. When he was using Fellaini as a big uh, a big aerial, like a big wall on the left side to head the ball, <laughs> the ball down to his little lads. <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe something like that. Um, should I? It, it, uh, or and Fabinho th- looked much better as well, which I think is significant. But I, I think Harvey Elliott's role was specific for City. I, I assume he'd be more attacking um, in, in other games. He was good, though. You he think was he's good? good. Well, that, that little triangle of, of Gomez, I mean, Gomez I thought was excellent. Yeah. Uh, which I think, from an England point of view, given that they, they now look to be without Walker and James for the World Cup, him to come in at right side of centre back is, is, uh, is, I think, a at least sort of uh, eases that worry a bit. But uh, yeah, that, that, that triangle of, of Gomez, Milner and Elias, I thought were, worked really well as a three and, and pretty much negated Foden. Um, just, just on the, on the French, if there is a weakness in that sort of Liverpool system, is it that it, it asks a lot of the two central midfielders? Yeah, I, th- I, think, I think it does. I don't yeah. really see how that's going to work for them in the long run, yeah. especially when your two guys are... Well, one of them is Thiago. He's he's not going to be there for fifty percent of the matches. So, and I didn't think he played particularly well yesterday. I thought no. 
yeah, he he was could have been sent off. Could have been sent off, and uh, I know he slipped, but it's a pretty bad challenge. Terrific. <laughs> and there's also that photo. I, I can't work out exactly when it was. He that was, was kicking the hell in the nuts. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Did you have you seen it? No, I haven't seen it. Yet. He's absolutely he's, he's booting sort of him in the nuts from behind. From behind. Yeah. I mean, it's like all oh, right. Yeah, it's a meaty contact. Right. So right, right. making sure this progression from one hole into the next hole, and making sure that there's not going to be another hole in 20 years, going to score 180 goals a season. <laughs> On that note, Jonathan, great to have you in studio. Cheers. You've just got to make it count. It might be a knob end. Is it too much to ask? In 91st minute, that wins it. So basically, like, any chance you train? I think I'll really set something under his breath about Johnny or something. You're always on the team until never fuck. Roy is Roy, isn't he? I'm sure there's lessons to be learned by everybody. And Harry was just going, Roy, I'm not speaking to you like this, like, you know, I'm not listening to you. When I got the sack at Sheffield United, the, the only guy that spoke to me was Roy Keane. I'll never forget that. And I thought that was a bit of class. We've got that bit better quality. And we've just got to make it count. He called me it might be a knob end in 91st minute that wins it. You wanted to make one final point on Arsenal being somewhat fortunate against Leeds? Yes, Alan. I um, uh, I think I said something like, look and resilience are not the same thing. You don't want to get them mixed up. And I, and I know it's a, it's been a controversial, it's been a hot button word, you know, to use to do with Arsenal this season. And I'm not saying their success this season is down to look far from it. Not in the big picture. But uh, but since we had that chat, I noticed uh, a headline on Michael Cox's article on the Atlantic. Arsenal beat Leeds without playing well, but it was a sign of luck, not resilience. <laughs> and I just want to say that that's, it's, it's quite similar to what I was saying. And I just want to point out um, that I didn't simply copy what Michael Cox had said. We independently arrived at a similar conclusion using similar words. That is, in fact... What happened here? If you can believe it, Owen, do you believe in miracles? Simon Cox has not copied you. You have not Simon, copied Simon Cox. Simon Cox certainly hasn't copied me, unless he's got a bug somewhere in this studio. Jonathan Wilson could be the bug. I don't. Wilson I, straight onto Cox saying, "You look, you better take this line." Yeah, take, of course I'm not. To, just, Cox just very much wrong. Write this down. Look, not yeah. yeah. So all I'm saying is that you know Michael Cox, um, yeah, he, he 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 looked at the same evidence and came to the same conclusion. Again, you know, nobody wants to, nobody wants to use offensive language. You know, I, I tried to steer away from causing unnecessary uh, controversy, you think, things that could incense people. I, I try, I try to stay away from them. But you know, that is something. That's something. That's part of our world today, Owen. Thanks, Ken. Thank you, Owen. Thanks so much for listening today. We do hope you'll consider joining the World Service to hear all our coverage of Man United against Spurs on Wednesday night and all the rest of the. Premier League football and everything else we're we'll doing over the next few days. If you sign up, you will of course hear every episode ad free. You can do it on secondcaptains.com. Second Captains Podcast is part of the ACAS Creator Network. What the is that? That's the second time it's gone off. They never go home. They never go home. They never go home, those, those, those boys. The second captain's world service. It is not war and death and famine. It's not that at all. It's the opposite of that. It's to persuade the world outside of that. That's why sports important. 
anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1, only from Rust-Oleum. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 